2: He was covering for Jack Grealish and Ross Barkley like you would not believe in the last fifteen minutes of that. He was
1: left back a few times.
2: Unbelievable! That's our centre forward, and that's not an instruction. That's just him seeing that Jack Grealish is brain dead in defence and thinking, "Oh, I'm not losing this fucking game that I've tried so hard to win. I'll get back, you lazy little prick." Hi guys, Jack Grealish here. Uh, Delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa.
1: So I left while you were sleeping, that's all it took. That's Picture at Neulium, Pep Guardiola reunited with Lionel Messi, Man City moving on to another level, the most creative player to play the game, wearing a baggy sky blue jersey around him, prowling around the false nine position, terrorising English defences, but Rolf Hassenhuddle. Rolf Hassenhuddle has a plan for him and its name is James Ward Prowse. Knowing Messi has a tendency to save his energy when his team aren't in possession, Hassan Huddle pulls a piece of genius from the hat by stationing James Ward-Prowse at centre-back to punish Man City when Lionel Messi doesn't track him back. Doesn't work. Of course it doesn't. James Ward-Prowse playing right back tonight on Jack Grealish is one of the most disgraceful things I have seen in football. What was the plan behind that? what, What was that about, you know, like... Did he think that Jack Grealish was going to track him down the pitch? Like, did he think that was a way of of pulling Grealish out of position, or did he just think Grealish isn't going to track, so we can make hay here? Not realizing that you're leaving Grealish to go toe to toe with a centre midfielder, a creative centre midfielder, just it just insulted me seeing that decision.
2: It was it was absolutely bizarre, yeah, and. It's it's not not like Grealish massively exposed him during the game, but it was just one really simple double movement from Grealish that resulted in the goal. And it just makes the decision look absolutely blatantly stupid then after that. Grealish just steps inside and goes, right, I'm off. And James (laughs) Ward-Prowse is 10
1: yards behind him. Like, of course he is. It's James Ward-Prowse. Could not have been happier to see Jack Grealish register a, a major of sorts, you know, just because, like, that needed punishing. Like, I, I can't for the life of me think of the idea. Some people might say, oh, it does not show how attack-minded Ralph hassenhuddle is. I just say that is silly. Like, you know, Bertrand Turori's on the other side. You might as well play James Ward-Price over there. He might get more joy. Like, just strange, strange carry-on. You have the best English player playing on the left-hand side and you think that you can get away with not having someone marking them. No, like, they did get away with it for most of the game because, well, Wild Price moved off him after 55 minutes, but, because Southampton were on top, but they didn't get away with it because Grealish got a chance, set up a goal, bang. Aston Villa won the match. How they won it, I do not know. <laughs> um, very, very lucky, I'd say. Um, I'd say if some of these decisions went against Aston Villa. The tone of this podcast, <laughs> we would be having our biggest uh, ratings for a podcast yet. I'd say because everyone would be tuning in to hear our meltdowns. I think that I'm going to reserve complaining about VAR now for another two decisions going against Aston Villa. I think, uh, I think we've we've been owed those decisions to be honest, but I think that's definitely it. Even now. Um and I I'll I will maybe let the next one go because Villa got lucky tonight. Don't think they deserved a win, to be honest. It's an amazing win, but um not a great performance. But let's let's talk about the the handball incident first. I think we differ on this. Like the only question I have is do people want that to be a penalty? Like we, we can't really complain about how ridiculously pedantic. VAR is and how unnatural it is and then start slowing things down to look at an inconsequential touch of a hand like it didn't affect anything and if people want that to be a penalty I'm really disappointed well
2: you're assuming it doesn't affect anything because it's a tame shot but you don't know like anything can happen if it goes past the defender you're not guaranteed that Martinez is going to save it it's still a shot on target it's not going wide or anything the shot is too tame and his hand is too far from his body. I know it strikes his leg, so in that case, yeah, he does get away with it. But it's such yeah. a fucking stupid decision from Cash to have his hand out there. And he moves his hand towards the ball like a brain-dead numpty. And let's not forget, this is the third time he's handled the ball absolutely stupidly. And the last time he played Southampton, he risked a red card because he was worried about Theo Walcott. Theo Walcott controlling a football. And do me a fucking favour, get your arm down, you've so much time to react to that. He was practising the fucking front crawl against Man City in his own box and now this. And then why the fuck would you handle the ball from such a tame
1: shot? In general, but especially when you have Emmy Martinez behind you. Like, you know, we can, we can pretend like it didn't hit his thigh because obviously that changes everything. So just for the sake of a good argument, we'll just pretend like it, it hit his hand. And, <laughs> Like I, I don't know. It's definitely not as obvious as the Theo Walcott one, you know, where he's, he's deliberately handballing it. And I, I know he's moving, but he's moving his body towards it. And like, it's again, it just comes back to the question: like, you know, is this what we want football to be? Is this what VAR is for? Like, a ball is slowly making its way towards the keeper. I know I'm assuming, you know, I'm assuming that the keeper will catch it, but I think we can safely assume that, like, you know, we can. We've all watched enough football to like get real about it, and like it hits someone's arm that doesn't affect things really in reality, and we're slowing it down and, and turning football into a big virtual game of gotcha. You know, and like honestly, I'm a bit like I'm a bit aghast at the amount of people who want it to be given. Never mind you think it should be given or whatever. It's, it's like people don't want that to be given. Like you know, that's that's the sort of thing that would start ruining VAR. I think because it's making it's, it's making the game a game of randomness where teams just buy a lottery ticket and then you get lucky or not depending on how your ball bounces around uh, the box. Ah,
2: uh, Now come on, he's on his own six yard box and his hand is a good bit away from his body <laughs> and you keep saying it's a tame shot. That's exactly why he shouldn't fucking handle it. He has loads <laughs> of time to react to that apart from the fact that it hit off his five but you removed that from the argument so I think I'm happy to say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was doing that for you as well. <laughs> Um, but like yeah, uh, terrible performance, right? Like uh, we're not getting away from that. Thank Christ for Nathan Redmond, is all I can say. Mm. <laughs> he was one of those boys I went in thinking, is he, is he another fella we can add to the list who has more caps for England than Jack Grealish? He doesn't, but he's obviously been called up to more squads, which is still unbelievable. Missed a shitload. Southampton on top for most of it. Like for first thirty-five minutes, it was all Southampton. Villa were class. The last ten minutes of the. First half, maybe last fifteen minutes, and then just just hanging on, but still looking potent enough. Not not really potent, but still tidy. Like I think we can safely say we're not Burnley, but um, but it wasn't great.
2: Yeah, like we we definitely got away with one tonight. I mean, other than the Leeds game and the City game, that was our toughest game of the season. It seems to be in everybody's collective conscious that the Villa are having a good season. It's generally accepted narrative. And compared to last season, they are infinitely better. But that's hardly an achievement. And it's great. And I don't want to dismiss the idea of incremental improvement. And I know it takes time. But when you replace Nyland with Martinez, Samago with Watkins, House with Konza, Kanza at right back with cash even, like yeah. the incremental steps should be getting wider and your ambition should be getting higher. But the, the nature of the defeats is the real disappointment. That's what makes me always think, are we actually having a good season? Like individual errors, VAR shitstorms, unbelievable tactical naivety against Leeds, and the first game against Southampton. But the nature of that result tonight was so gratifying. That is the first time I can think of that Villa have gotten something from a game that they didn't deserve. So that's <laughs> a great like since they came up like that's that's just a great thing to now add to the the list of achievements that we've had since we got promoted, and like. Not only what happened to Southampton tonight, it's happened to us so many times. It feels so good for the shoe to be on the other foot for once.
1: That's actually true. Like, such an ugly win. And we haven't had that yet. And and you're right, because I, I had this thought today. Obviously, I was getting nervous. Southampton, good team, well-organized, as much as I'm slagging Huddle, like, good manager. But I was in that sort of quandary. Like, this is the halfway point of the game. By the way... Jack Rooney's didn't get a yellow card, so those four yellows are wiped. Good news. (laughs) Should have started with that. Um, But yeah, I was in one of those dilemmas. It was like, they've lost seven. And, you know, when you go through, obviously United and Man City are two of them, and United won. They played well, but like, yeah, you just go through the list, like you've already mentioned some of them, but Leeds, Southampton, West Ham, Brighton, Burnley. (laughs) You know, it's like there's five L's like very disappointing L's and we're saying we've had a good season and it's obviously we are because we're beating a lot of good teams when we're losing to those teams. but yeah like that that is uh hard to take then when you look at it that's also part of the reason where you think you could be doing even better mm. but um yeah growing that out got very lucky finally took three points from again you didn't deserve three points so like that that really adds up especially when you're not doing as well um, and they got it through, I would say, a very underrated header. Like, actually, an underrated goal. Like, I don't know if people appreciated how it just switched from McGinn to Louise to, to Target. Nice ball over the top, punishing ward Price. Lovely left foot ball in from Greenish And a really underrated header from from Barkley. Someone said he just, I think the commentator said all he had to do is get his head to it. Like, he got his neck around that and put the ball exactly in the opposite direction that, that he was running. And it was um lovely finish, but... That switch of play from McGinn to Louise to Target and then just springing Grealish away—that is something that Villa haven't had in the last ten years. Like, I—I I felt like that I I had to stop watching the better teams play because it was spoiling Villa matches for me. Then because you know when you can see somebody who's free at the other side, it's like just get in the ball. Like in a good mm-hmm. team, switches that play very quickly, and Villa were taking five passes to get it over. Meanwhile, the whole defence has shifted across, and we always talk about imbalances. Villa could never find it. And just that alertness and execution from all those players just to create that goal was uh, really heartening. Yeah, I, I,
2: I mean, Dougie definitely plays the right pass, and it's great that he sees it, but he executes it atrociously, I thought. <laughs> it's left hanging in the air. Luckily, it's hanging in the air to the best left back in the league, and he makes it look easy. And it's a great ball over the top. And I mentioned James Ward Price not being a right back against the best left sided player in the country. The control on the cross then from Jack and the header, yeah. The header are, are both excellent from the two lads.
1: Both excellent. Do you know what's really grim? Is that Villa are three points behind West Ham with just one game in hand. And it's like, oh, how has that happened? Like, what? West Ham have a decent team, but David Moyes is managing them. Like, Do you know what? It, it feels like we're actually one point behind Everton as well, You know, having played the same amount of games. Like this is a great season, but oh, that would be further up the table.
2: Yeah, it is. It is strange how that shows you how tight it is that you know one or two bad results can really fuck it up. I mean, Villa have only had only had one win in five before tonight. The West Ham thing is is strange because Villa were far too good for West Ham the night we played them, and they just West yeah. Ham did what Villa did tonight. They they ground one out, and it's a slightly different style, but you know they still did it. West Ham. I haven't seen a lot of them play other than against Villa, so I'm, I'm finding it very hard to believe that they're being so effective because that's all they can be with the team that they've put together. But it must be working. I think it's it's upsetting, but it's it's working for them.
1: Well, we'll see what they're what they're doing on Wednesday night, eight fifteen PM. <laughs> another another late one, another late one for the boys in the podcast as well. <laughs> Thank, thank god there's nothing else going on in the world that we can just sit here talking about villa the whole time um yeah so yeah west ham wednesday night another podcast on wednesday night this is the end of the podcast by the way i don't know why I'm, I'm teeing it up to say bye we're going to get into some whatsapp is here
2: we're going to start with the thoughts of the
1: villa podcast maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking
2: lose to And
1: the lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably being a bit of a twat to Teron Mings all game he's nothing like that either is he he's a real he's like if you he's uh, an unlikable uh, character
2: like what if he's put on a foot Patrick Bamford can't skin you it's, it's not it's not he's not that type of player is that an nice easy game? Somebody put on a foot there! I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. BLOCK THE FUCKING SHOT! It was a fucking disaster.
1: I just quite enjoyed the hopelessness of the, the grief with it though as well. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure we were beating anyway. Not that it
2: fucking mattered anyway, Villa was shite. Like there's, there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they're, they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous.
1: But the players are shit. The,
2: the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players
1: are shit. They're not either. They're not shit.
0: I mean, that was great. That did have everything. The only downside, those brummy accents, though, really go through you, don't they?
1: What's up, whinges? Six minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, as soon as that flashed up, all I could think about was your whinge last week about time wasters always paying off. <laughs> fucking absolute reluctance of any Villa player to, to waste some fucking time. Yeah. Seem to be in play for the full six minutes.
1: <laughs> that is a good question. Are Are Villa too pure? Like even like you know the last ten minutes, or the last fifteen, it was so open. And I know like, I'd be sitting here complaining if Villa were just defending deep and uh, you know and eventually get punished. And I know like you know you, you want the second goal, but it just seemed like there was a lot of space for Southampton to keep coming at them and. So much so that yeah, it's 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 like in the other direction. It's like yeah, of course he scored at the end. The the goal that was disallowed. It was like that that was coming because of the way Villa were playing. They didn't didn't tighten up. Are they are they too pure?
2: No, I I just think Southampton were absolutely brilliant, and and Villa Villa weren't good. I mean McGinn and Dougie were were being split open constantly, and the decision to leave on Barkley and Troy under that pressure was. Was bizarre. I thought. I mean, Villa were just being ran through for the first thirty-five minutes, and the last twenty or twenty-six, as it turned out to be. It was it was strange, strange decision to leave them on because Barkley was too high. Grealish was Grealish was nowhere. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing for the last twenty-six minutes in defence. Like, yeah, it was. I don't think it was a. I don't think it was down to purity. I think it was down to a lack of noise and just reliance on the. The back five to put in last ditch tackles.
1: Well, hang on, don't step on the next. What's up, Make a fucking sub. <laughs> this is
2: something you keep coming back to, Conan, But I we know, we talked about this at the start of the season, and even after we made our signings, Villa don't have a squad. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you want, Dean Smith to be doing. Who do you want? Who did you want to come on tonight? I thought they could have changed the shape a little bit, but. Who the fuck are you bringing on the was the one that came
1: on <laughs> is that what you're, you're calling for the cambo to be made earlier are you, you see that like you're not using the thigh argument basically by saying the cambo came on like that's <laughs> that's not the road i want to go down like it, it, it need to freshen up it doesn't matter who who's coming on like even the cambo like they were hanging on like it was it was almost like Smith was just waiting for Southampton to score before he would do anything again. This is what happened against Burnley. He ha- he doesn't he doesn't act. He reacts all the time. Yeah, but but what but what he had to do wasn't anything to do with making a
2: sub. Like, do you do you think bringing on El Ghazi for Trory would have turned the tide? It would have been I, I, absolutely th- irrelevant.
1: I, I think it would have given a bit more legs just defensively at least. Like Barkley again had disappeared. This time for the last fifteen minutes it was thirty minutes against Burnley, so maybe he's getting better. Um you know like if Barkley needed to come off? They just bought Sanson. Smith told me during the week that Sanson's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a clip of him on Instagram. Knock the ball around Fred Gilbert and score. But I don't know what that means. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- yeah, I I don't know. I I don't. He wasn't. He was definitely wasn't going to bring. Imagine that was your fucking debut in that Crucible tonight. Jesus yeah, no, Christ, you could have ruined him.
1: He couldn't. Yeah, I I thought of Sanson and I thought, nah, there's no way. Like he he doesn't know him yet. Like he doesn't trust him enough yet to throw him into a game where one one mistake will 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 lose this or yeah stop the win. Um, but I'm surprised that El Ghazi didn't come on Trezegui. Put Grealish into the centre and you play Grealish off um, Watkins just for the same reason. You're saying where did Grealish go? Like just have Trezegui on the right, a on the left in that defensive shape because again, like Villa weren't. It wasn't like you were getting anything back in the other direction. And I'm not. I'm actually not getting at Rory. We'll get to him later. I actually had a great game defensively, but it just it just needed a bit of freshness. Even McGinn and and Louise not not getting at them either. They just might have needed a bit of support in the way Nakamba gave them in the last three minutes.
2: Look. I suspect we were really conscious of and really worried about the spanking they gave us in the first half at Phillip Park. I mean, that was a spanking we were complicit in. We undid our own belts and willingly lay across their fucking lap with our collective <laughs> arson there. And like, of course, we were worried about it. We were four 0 down after fifty eight minutes, and that must have been in everybody's. That must have been in everybody's mind, and the, the approach tonight. We got away with it a bit, but, you know, it still worked a treat. So, like, Southampton had a lot of the ball and had a few dangerous positions, but nothing too dramatic. He had no shots on target in the first in the first half. I say nothing too dramatic, nothing too dramatic until the last 15 minutes. But at <laughs> that stage, I don't know what changes you're making other than telling Barkley to tuck back in and to fucking wake up. Telling Greeley to tuck back in. Like, just even take up space. Like they weren't even taking up space; they were just letting but guys drift past them. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a personnel change you can make for that. Maybe Nakamba. Fuck off! I'm actually not going down that road. I'm not making the <laughs> argument for Nakamba coming on. What's the next whinge? No,
1: but just finally, it it is just um, it's the opposite of everything that's amazing about Dean Smith. Like, it's it's almost like you know, for the last fifteen minutes, when Southampton are overrunning you, like, and, and Martinez is making those saves and it starts looking really dramatic then because he's batting the ball into the air and people are flying across and blocking. It's like Smith at that stage then falls into hoping that Villa can get through this. You know, hoping for a bit of luck. And that's, that's what it came down in the end rather than, it came down to a lot of luck in the end. Rather yeah. than just acting and taking, just taking some sort of decision. Changing the shape even like you're doing something.
2: Yeah, like I, I agree. We were We were too passive in the first half. We were too sloppy on the ball and we were we were surprisingly cagey in the second half. Like a lot of things, you're right that I don't associate with this team, and maybe it did need something from the sideline.
1: Well, the, the next wing isn't going to get us off this. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is the worst I have ever seen Villa play, <laughs> <laughs> and I
2: agree. I think it absolutely is. It's the worst. It's the worst I've seen from a Dean Smith team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and but maybe that's just because we've had such a such a decent start to this season that we're like the games we've lost. We haven't deserved to lose really, except for the Man City game. Maybe you can make an argument for that. The Leeds game, definitely. And definitely the first Southampton game. So it's a real big shock to see us play so badly. And so passively, a lot of it was down to the players in the first half. It's a really hard balance to find whenever you're being asked to play that disciplined and that tight defense, not having the ball, knackers you yeah. just doing shuttles across the pitch it fucks with your legs fucks with your head you can't think you can't see the pass Southampton are absolutely rabid like they're yeah. mental they're a really hard team to play against so if you concede the game initially to them it's really hard to get it back
1: last one Tyrone Mings the guardian angel of playing everyone in the country on onside
2: oh my fucking god Like, it was a bad finish from Shea Adams and a decent save, I thought. But, like, he's played onside by Tyrone Mings, our leader, starting his own defensive line, five yards behind the rest of his team. Christ almighty. I mean, he made up for it towards the end with a couple of really important blocks and interceptions. But, Jesus, look what a cock-up that would have been. And it it wasn't like the line all popped out really quickly or anything. That still wouldn't be excusable. He's supposed to be our best defender. The, the line kind of just drifted out, and he just, classic to Romings, just stayed there.
1: Yeah. It's it's such a weird trade. It's come up a lot. Like, he stands looking at everybody, then he knows that he's culpable. But what happens then is he doesn't even just stay there and own it and try to do something from there. This is why I think it's actually just him switching off rather than a tactic or John Terry telling him to do something. It's... it's he actually steps up then, realizing that I'm playing everybody on side and then that, that makes it harder for him to try and get across and block. Thankfully, Shea Adams tried to hit it with his right foot, the outside of his right foot. Bizarre decision. I Martinez could and Martinez was like flying across the goal, like <laughs> anticipating a good shot. They end up batting it down at his chest because it was such a bad shot. And Matt Cash came in with an amazing clearance.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a strange thing, and I, I think he must be really badly scarred from the the amount of goals that Villa conceded from November to March last year. The amount of stupid goals. And I think he has just got into a bad habit of thinking that he can handle this just by making sure he's between the ball and the goals. Of course, it just really doesn't work out.
1: Yeah. I actually couldn't believe when they were looking or drawing the lines on them. Was it, Cash? it was Cash? Uh, well, he ended up playing Danny Ings offside, but... It was Matt Cash's arse, and I was like, right, they're drawing the line there. I was like, oh, okay, where's the Tyrone Mings line now? <laughs> you know, waiting for the camera <laughs> to pan to the right to see where Mings was, and then oh, everyone's side actually. It's, um, funny you, it's funny you say it was Matt Cash. I,
2: didn't, I had absolutely no idea who that was, and I'm only realising that. now. I was just staring at whoever's arse that was for about five minutes. <laughs> Never once looked beyond his arse.
1: <laughs> anyway, we get into the categories. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. I've got four. Fucking hell. It was one of those games. John McGinn giving the ball to Romeo and then getting absolutely rinsed by Romeo.
2: John McGinn got rinsed by Romeo and it was absolutely the worst thing I have ever seen. Except (laughs) for the fact that the same thing happened to Dougie in the first half. The exact same thing where both of them managed to make Oriol Romeo look like fucking Maradona.
1: <laughs> this is it. No it's one Reb-
2: really cocked up. Like both of them were just apologies for a tackle. Like what the fuck
1: was that about? It would be bad no matter who it is, considering these are your anchors in midfield. Like they like McGinn especially just looked so flat footed on his heels as Romeo shifted the ball from his right foot to his left foot and ran around him and set up did they say up set up shea adams might have um but like romeo when grealish turned around the corner and just glided past him along the byline that's romeo like romeo usually then like his uh artillery like allow for him to then just chop down grealish like that's what he's good at not fucking taking the ball past two good holding midfielders the way he did so easily and McGinn just gave it to him on a play to start like one of those ones a game where he's trying to drill it to you don't know who and just kicks it straight at the player in front of him it
2: was pathetic and yeah the fact that it was he did it to both the fact that Southampton's holding midfielder did that to both of our holding midfielders really tells you everything you need to know about tonight's game
1: <laughs> Tyrone Mings come on down the pass back to Emmy Martinez that almost almost let Danny Ings in
2: pathetic Absolutely. Pathetic. I don't know what was worse though, the, the back pass or Emmy Martinez waiting for it. I mean Jesus Christ. Like that was getting tighter and tighter and tighter, and there is no way he could have been that confident that, that ball was coming through to him.
1: Did you see Kanza roaring at Martinez again? And I, I like this dynamic, but um it was because Kanza blocked the cross out for a corner, and he seemed annoyed that Martinez didn't just say leave it, I've got it. Because Martinez had anticipated, he sort of f- fell down on his six-yard box trying to catch it. And mean meanwhile, had slid and stuck it out for a corner, got up and said, well, give me a shout, man.
2: I thought Martinez complained to Kanza for clearing it, yeah. And, uh, right, and right. was saying, shut the fuck up. It was a ball across the six-yard box.
1: That makes more sense. What do, you, what do you think of the goal that wasn't? Because Martinez was fouled?
2: Uh, Martinez is definitely jumped into by Romeo there it's it's similar to the last two weeks it's getting a bit little bit worrying because he was so calm and collected under those situations at the start of the season and he's dropped the ball three times in the last three games now on every occasion I stress that he was definitely fouled (laughs) I don't think there was a lot in the Romeo one it was almost like he was waiting for or looking for the foul I would still want him just to catch that and push Romeo to
1: the ground. So this is it. It's obviously a, a very high bar that we have for him now, but I'm exactly the same as you, you just getting a little bit worried because it's like, he's just not infallible. He's not just cleaning everybody out, and um, I'm not sitting there laughing, going, what What do you think was going to happen there It's Sammy Martinez? You know, I just have to shut up and be like, oh, that was soft enough, but still a foul, but, mm. you know, I just don't like that feeling of Martinez because I've never had it before.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's worrying. We'll keep an eye on it, Connor. We'll keep an eye. Watkins, Minson, McGinn, as Villa were in the attack. Oh my God, that was desperate. Like Watkins should have been sent off for that. Yeah. What the fuck was that?
1: How did that happen? How
2: did Ollie Watkins end up doing a two-footed lunge tackle on Arsenal's midfielder?
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I don't know. <laughs> it was like, he was leaving it, they both deliberated, so Watkins thought, Okay, I'll just get it, but he was he was stretching for it and it ended up sliding through as McGinn decided I'll take it and Watkins ended up kicking it to a Southampton player and cleaning McGinn to the ground. And again, your holding midfielder is there on the ground, watching Southampton strain down the pitch because his own player has destroyed him.
2: Yeah, here we fucking go again and all our attack that's gonna lead <laughs> in a shot wide from Nathan Redden.
1: Do you know the only thing um well we're talking about Watkins uh Again, it is great that we have these players at such a high standard. So you're nitpicking and like obviously what's well, not a nitpick when we were saying on Wednesday that we went Watkins to score one-on-ones that's fair enough. But he gets the ball caught under his feet sometimes. You know in the box and he looks a bit slow at shifting it and he comes back out and there's just that one where Grealish had given to him and gone off the shoulder and, and Watkins is there then trying to get back out of the box and it's like oh we just, we just missed a chance again because You've got the ball trapped under your feet.
2: I don't. Like Watkins is running around like a maniac up there. He's constantly changing his run. He's constantly going for a second run when he doesn't yeah. get the first pass. The ball gets played under your feet a lot in those situations if you're moving trying to get free. Ah, I have absolutely no worries about Ollie Watkins.
1: Neither do I. In fairness, <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got the winner here anyway. So the others are just uh, token nominees. Ross Barkley giving the ball away 20 metres out for no reason and then bundling someone over 20 metres out.
2: There's so many things went wrong here. If you've spent too long on the ball, then the pass you thought was the right one is no (laughs) longer the right pass. All those other professional footballers on the pitch can tell what you're now planning to do. And then the other thing is, once again, it's Oriol Romeo on his left foot. You're close enough to him. He's under a bit of pressure. Let him shoot. That's a much less dangerous situation than a 20-yard James Ward-Price free kick. As we found out in fucking November, how short is your memory?
1: I genuinely thought the only two instructions coming into this match would have been do not give away a 20-meter free kick and don't give Danny Ings the run of the pitch like we did the last time. Like, Just very clear... Very simple. If it's Romeo on his left foot, then let's take that rather than giving James Ward-Prowse a dead ball 20 metres out.
2: This is a a stupid example, lads, but just say it's Romeo on his left foot 20 yards out. (laughs) Let him have the shot. (laughs)
1: <laughs> like I, I what what was worse there? Giving the ball away 20 metres out or bundling him over? Like probably the, the bundling over because as you say it's from who on his left.
2: Oh, because it's Ross Barkley though, it's the pass. Like the, the pass, yeah. he's a, he's an attacking midfield. Like he expects someone like Ross Barkley to be a bit clumsy and like he's not he's not assessing that situation. He's not thinking he's thinking, I fucked up. There's a guy at the edge of the box with a ball. I'm just gonna try and put something on him here. Like he's he, the pass was so bad, so telegraphed. It was, it was absolutely terrible from our centre attacking midfielder.
1: And it was weird on two coins because the pass was on when he wanted it to be on. All he had to do is play it. And then, you know, yeah, when it's gone or when he's deliberated, like Barkley is, like, his best trait is not usually going and doing that thing. Then he'll pull back out. Sometimes Barkley just turns around and you're like, oh, yeah that makes sense, <laughs> you know, and it's just like opened up a whole new area of the pitch for him like you know you don't see players doing that often just turning around on the ball and going in the other direction and you know just freeing yourself up and giving yourself more opportunities. but this was everything that he's not usually but that, the like
2: it was actually he was so slow on the ball that Romeo sold himself before he even played it, <laughs> so so all he had to do was not play the pass.
1: <laughs> that's what I mean that's why it was so strange. he could have just pulled back and done something else. Um. well he wins that the Paul Lambert I'm delighted of our performance I'm fed up with this shit award <laughs> getting caught out with pullbacks like every team does in fairness but like how, how do you defend that like it's so obvious like a player comes in they're closer to the byline and they're going to pull the ball back and there's always a space there hmm. like why is there always a space there like I know you have to defend the striker who's level with the ball but you don't need five six players doing that how is the pullback always on every single time and yet again thank god it was always nathan Redmond that was there receiving it.
2: yeah there's a couple of more dangerous ones as well that the southampton winger or fullback just didn't see and you could just see it at the camera in the last 10 minutes it was like oh if you pull that back to the edge of the box um but yeah it's it's because of the tyrone mings drift He's he's bringing everybody back with him. Everyone is caught up in his current of uncertainty and they're all getting dragged back into their own six-yard box.
1: <laughs> but why is Douglas Louise and, and John McGinn doing that as well? Like, I just It is the most terrifying thing, I think, watching football now is that slow motion when you see the ball rolling across the carpet coming back out and you don't see who's there because the camera's following everybody. They're following Tyrone Mings and his drift. And uh, it's, it just feels like forever when the ball is kicked and it always looks like it's going in, when it goes wide sometimes. Mm. Like, I just, I, I can't get over how many times you can be undone by it.
2: Yeah, it's insane. Remember Pep Guardiola, that glorious season Man City had where they got the 100 points and just the amount of goals that both Sani and Sterling got from both just pulling the ball back to each yeah. other. It was insane that he was just able to convince the two of them. Don't do anything else. You pull it back and the other guy will pull it back for you as well. You're both scored 30 goals this season. It's going to be fucking great because nobody knows how to defend against it. And still, three years later, nobody knows how to defend against it.
1: <laughs> it was interesting um, during the Villa Man City game. In, in a way, like, you know, Man City are class they watch, right? But I was thinking, I don't know how good it would be to be them unless you're De Bruyne. Like, they, they, they did that a few times, you know, when nobody was there and it just showed me that, like, that's just all automatic. Like they they just go through the routine. When I'm here, I do this, like a basketball set play, and it's like ugh, you know, I'd say that's mind numbing. Like and that's probably why everybody thought they would fade this season working under Guardiola, but yeah, who am I to, to criticize it? The second one, I'm fed up with this shit. Terori clearing the ball back into his own box. <laughs> <laughs> how, how does this keep coming up? Like, how can this be mentioned? on more than one occasion never mind five occasions now
2: yeah there's been a couple of occasions where you've mentioned it twice in the one podcast which is (laughs) which is all the more baffling it's absolutely ridiculous and I don't know what else to say about it it's it's it can't be explained
1: like this one wasn't as bad you know but it was like it wasn't as bad considering where it landed in the box (laughs) like you know it landed in a more favourable area of the box but he's on the edge of the box this time in the centre of the box and it's bouncing to him, so he just tries to hook it clear and he, he just hits it up into the air and it bounces down the corner that he's facing. So i had head it in. There's another chance, you know, because Chorori yet again hasn't cleared it. Somebody who's so good with his first touch just can't yeah, can't connect with the ball seemingly when he has to. But he um, just
2: he just loves creating chances. Doesn't matter who it's for. If he's in the box, there's a goal chance
1: coming. <laughs> it's in his blood. He wins this so hard Uh the Vimin meter going up. I've got Ezra Kanza just for blocking the Ing shot anyway when the yeah. when the offside flag was up and everybody else had stopped and Mings was just gonna put it away just in case. And Kanza came flying across past her own Ings, slid down and just buried Ings, who shot didn't go into the net. It was it just summed him up for me. He was like, he knew the offside flag was up and thought, fuck this, he's not getting a goal even though the game's not happening. Well, like,
2: he knew the offside flag was up, but he's the only player who seemed to remember what the new rules are.
1: Yeah. Keep that's fucking
2: fair. running. Matty <laughs> Cash sees the flag and stops. He nearly starts jogging back into the right back position. Yeah. And Kanza has to be the one yet again to sort out a potential mess. Now, as it turns out, he was miles offside, you know. Don't know what sort of an arse Maddie Cash would have to have to play him onside in that situation. But like, Jesus Christ, deal with that. And Konza, sure enough does. And it's great as well because of such a strong tackle that actually went right. through Mings' as, rings as well.
1: It was equivalent to the Dyer one on Sergio Ramos. Uh it can, it's it wasn't as unnecessary. Remember that England Spain match where like Dyer just comes flying up from centre back to close down Ramos, he's just trying to clear the ball. Hmm. He gives away a goal kick and gets up and sprints back thinking he's brilliant. <laughs> Um, it was sort of that energy, but as you say, it was a bit necessary. I'll give Mings a pass on this one because he was so far offside. He knew that as well. He turned around and saw saw the player behind him. Um, Tarori is going up because of his discipline. Just he's been getting a lot of pelters, a bit of criticism because his tendency to switch off. Um, maybe not. I've seen I've seen a lot of people, an awful lot of people, talking about an Elmo on. I always think that's depressing. Like, uh, you know I'm Elmo's biggest, biggest fan. But th- the amount of suggestions, even against Burnley, it was like, get Elmo on for Terori because we need help for Matt Cash. Like, that is just yeah. depressing if we're going down that route. And Terori was just honest. Like, he knew where to be. He's getting better and better shape-wise. And his energy pushing out when the other team have the ball at the fence or they're trying to go back to the keeper, he is... F- flying forward and it's making it difficult for them like just just by him not making it easy for defenders is ultimately contributing to Southampton not having as much control and yeah I think he's well switched on and a lot of people haven't given him the credit for that I think
2: a lot of people are scarred by the Chelsea game when he was a genuine genuine worry during that game and he actually caused one of the goals and people just that (laughs) first impressions are hard to shake off Connor. And yeah. people just remember that so vividly because it was, it was absolutely hilarious how bad it was. I mean, it, it became a joke while you were watching the game. And I like, people are way over dramatic. You're playing Burnley. Like, you're not going to bring on a, a right back who has played in a ava- more advanced position before for your fucking one of your free forwards. Like, do me a favor, apps. Under no circumstances are you going to do that against the Sean Douch side. It'll be all right.
1: I've got two more going up um, just for two reasons. John McGinn for his block in the 85th minute. um, Tidying up after Mings, was he just flying across? I think it was, it was a corner. No, he wasn't tidying up after Mings. I think I just assumed that. <laughs> 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 it was a corner that broke down and uh, yeah, looked, it looked like it was going in. That was the one that Hassan huddle was celebrating in the 85th minute. McGinn came flying across, slight tackle, great block cash block to follow up Um, but it was yeah there was a couple of bodies in the way just that was that was crucial like we needed that and that's again like that's where John McGinn's at his best like you just need him with that bit of bite and anticipation
2: yeah it's a triple save and it's once again exemplary last it's defending from Villa the saves extraordinary McGinn's block is it's ludicrously good and cash is in the right place but even Tyrone Mings is desperately closing down the shot as well, and it goes through Tyrone Mings's legs. No fault of his own. It like, was a great attempt to block it. And Cash is there behind him to clear it off the line. It just really that summed up tonight's game really, really well.
1: Maybe that's why I, I just decided to blame Mings because he didn't get the block. <laughs> <laughs> that was very harsh in furnace. Uh and I've got cash for his clearance after the Shea Adams chance as well. Like you've got a good save from Martinez, and then they could just bundle it in anyway, and cash comes flying and puts his body on the line and gets the ball over. He's just a tough, tough character.
2: He is a tough character and had a really, really bad start to the game as well. <laughs> but he, like again, he's he's this has happened to him before as well, and it hasn't affected him. Where he's come back strong and he's and he just keeps doing what he knows he can do. And he doesn't seem to let bad performances or absolutely brain dead decisions like handling the ball in your own six yard box
1: get to him. I've got two more suggestions to go up this seems strange because um you know because it wasn't a great performance but then I suppose that's the beauty of the Weiman meter for anybody new listening Andreas Weiman I think you put it well Liam like you know gave his all you could never hate him for for all the work rate he went through but ultimately he wasn't that good <laughs> so it's just a fondness for someone who's he's doing the right things and doing what you want them to do at the Base level thing. That's why Grealish is never on this meter. If anybody's wondering where the fuck is Jack Grealish, um, the two suggestions I have gone up are Matt Target because like he had gone down to basement level, like and beyond, and he has gone up like two weeks, maybe three weeks in a row now. We still got a long way to go up, considering how far we were fucking down. And yet again, like this, this is my left back. This is a left back that I'm on board with, and nice ball for the Grealish setup. And tough tackling, not getting caught out again, Looks fit. And mm. uh yeah, an all-game where I'm like, good man, Matt.
2: Yeah, it was really good up until the the offside goal at the end. I mean, that all starts from Target being weak as fuck in the tackle, and John McGinn once again needlessly trying to use his fucking arse and once again losing the ball. Like the two things that have frustrated me most this season nearly resulted in us drawing that game. <laughs> And, that's
1: why I had a question mark beside him.
2: Yeah, I, and but that was so bad and just so reminiscent of everything I hate about Matt Target that I'm going to have to keep him keep him steady.
1: Your video has been used. Uh, what about Ollie Watkins? Does he go up or is it just another steady performance? I, I, you mentioned the runs. like That's why I put him in. I was like, oh, do you know what? He just goes through too much work right? <laughs> to, to not go up all the time. Like, uh. The energy he brings, the the amount of balls he controlled with his thigh, amount of fouls he won, the referees seem to love him, which is great. Um, he just he just does the right thing so often. He's brilliant.
2: Yeah, he does the right thing and attack continuously. He's he's a, an incredibly clever centre forward. But then for the vitamin meter, you know. The effort that he puts in, like he was covering for Jack Grealish and Ross Barkley, like you would not believe in the last fifteen minutes of that that happened.
1: Was left back a few times.
2: Unbelievable! That's our centre forward, and that's not an instruction. That's just him seeing that Jack Grealish is brain dead in defence and thinking, "Oh, for f- I'm not losing this fucking game that <laughs> I've tried
1: so hard to
2: win. I'll get back, you lazy little prick."
1: <laughs> anybody going down? I don't have anybody going down. Like I know it was a bad performance, but heart-filled and as you say it's great that we won one of those games for once?
2: No, I don't think so. I think I think everybody put in a real shift and it's just yeah. I'm I'm in too good a mood to to bother putting anybody down because it is just the game that I wanted to see Villa win.
1: Well questions we can't answer but probably will. How on earth did Villa win that match? Like I think it's it's
2: pretty simple. I, I've always said if you if you don't give James Ward Prowse two 20 yard free kicks if you don't let Danny Ings have a free shot at goal, if you don't let five foot seven John McGinn, Mark six foot seven Yannick Vestergaard from yeah. a set piece, essentially, if you don't go four 0 down against Southampton, you really give <laughs> yourself a chance at winning the game.
1: <laughs> that's a that's a very very fair point. Southampton were the better team. They're a good team. They're fast. They're they're not as good as Villa. Um. And yeah, like I I did, someone was tweeting me, I think it was was our friend Paul from Norway, who I've noticed from his tweets is becoming very similar to you. (laughs) By the way, just the way, before we had recorded the podcast, or maybe after we recorded it and it had gone out, he was complaining about Burnley Burnley players celebrating as if they've achieved something. (laughs) And I was like, hang on a second. Is this Liam on Twitter?
2: You'd want to keep an eye on that. (laughs) But,
1: um... Yeah, like, and I was sort of saying, you know, relax as long as we don't give Ward Price a free kick and don't give Danny Ings a free shot, then that will be a good starting point. And that's exactly where we did start from, except we gave we give Ward Price one free kick that we got away with. Um, And that's that's the luck you need as well, I suppose, to win these matches.
2: Yeah, like, Southampton were surprisingly bad between the, the 35th and the 70th minute. And then they exploded into life, and we didn't really deal with it, but got away with it. And. Between those minutes, we took advantage of it by getting the goal. So yeah, tough shit, Southampton. <laughs> Do you know
1: what the expected goal was?
2: Oh, fuck, I wouldn't want to think about it. What three one?
1: One point nine to not point six. Jesus. Yeah, it's not Burnley levels, but it's a. Uh, it's not great for Villa. Who'd be better at holding the ball in the corner, John McGinn or John Walters? <laughs>
2: They've both got incredible arses. <laughs> John Walter's arse has never let me down though. John McGinnes has let me down several occasions this season.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he hasn't had a corner. Like, see, no, I think you put it perfectly on Wednesday where you said he tried to throw a blind arse. See, he tries <laughs> he tries to use his arse for tricks, but when he's in the corner, he's got one prerogative. The ball is there, and my arse is between the ball and the man, and this boy is not getting past. And like he only had 30 seconds to do it today and he held up well. John mm. Walters, in fairness, had 20 minutes to do it against Germany at the Viva <laughs> and he did it with four men hanging off him.
2: Yeah, oh, that's still one of the greatest photos of greatest sports photos of all time. Is John Walters' <laughs> arse holding off four rabid Germans? Uh, there was Jack, Jack Grealish, and John McGinn is such an incredible pair of people to have in the corner flag. Um, whenever you're trying to waste time, there, there was one where. Jack Grealish had the ball and there's two Southampton lads looking at him and they're afraid to tackle because they know they're yeah. going to get skinned. But then Jack Grealish played the pass inside. I was like, who the fuck are you passed that to? Oh, right. It's John McGinn's arse will be all right for another <laughs> couple of seconds.
1: Uh, last one. Why don't players all roll their sleeves up to their shoulders?
2: <laughs> yeah. You could also say, why doesn't Matty Cash just stand up straight whenever the ball's at the other side of the box?
1: <laughs> but like, I, I just I couldn't believe it when, oh, maybe the commentators have got this wrong, but they were like, you know, look at the sleeve, though. And I was like, what? Are we actually looking at the sleeve, Like, regardless if that's his arm or not? Like, what if you had a Cameroon 2002 jersey, which is basically a vest?
2: That is That is the future. Um, that is the future of sports kits, I'd say. But yeah, when they changed the handball rule, they had to bring in the sleeve, and that was it. I mean, it tidies it up a little bit, but it's it's such a shit rule.
1: Like honestly, if I was a player now, I'm going out pulling my sleeve up. I'm sure it, it, maybe and I'm just surprised at how <laughs> how much this language is used. The sleeve, like yeah, they have brought in the sleeve as well. Like what what happens if Ings just wants to show off the rest of his tattoos? Pulls it up, is that offside then? <laughs> Liam <laughs> is that offside or not
2: <laughs> uh, look if he can score he can score with the upper part of his arm so it's offside like it's it's pretty clear um, next week now whenever whenever Sofail scores with his arm I'm going to be giving out absolute stink about it but you know tonight it has worked out perfectly well for us you can score with your arm Ollie Watkins' arm has been offside three times this season yeah so you know Tough shit. Like I said twenty seconds ago, tough shit, Southampton.
1: Yeah. Yeah. you know what? Three times I said I'm not going to complain about Var. Fuck that. If that happens on Wednesday night, I'm going to go nuts, but it's West Ham on Wednesday night. It's at home on Wednesday night. We hammered him the last time into the ground. He got two chances and scored. Let's just sit back and enjoy what's going to be another dominant performance, right? It's like we're going to we're going to be on top the whole game.
2: I don't want to drift into making predictions, but
1: yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of this podcast. We never make predictions, we just come along in hindsight and tell everybody what they did wrong. <laughs> and we'll do that again on Wednesday night and hope to see you there. Uh come join us, send us an email if you want that the villa at gmail.com. be good to hear from you And until Wednesday, have a good one. Enjoy it. Like we actually really deserve that. We got lucky. About bloody time. See you on Wednesday. That wind is